following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Welcome to Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from a player's and GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chris Holmes. How you doing, homie? I'm doing great, my brother. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty interesting weekend with a crap ton of snow, heavy snow here in the cities. So I was able to do more wings, (laughs) more food. And by the way, everybody, Fireball Whiskey does not make for a good chicken marinade. Pretty bland. (laughs) I, I, it was, it was a good idea, but it didn't quite pan out. Looked great though. It looked great. I think I sent Tony a picture. (laughs) I I saw this meme the other day that was Mm -hmm. made me think of you and your Fireball fetish. (laughs) Okay. Uh, yeah, because it said is one guy gets in his car and goes, "Man, your air freshener smells like Fireball," and it, everybody in the car looks at him and says, "It's cinnamon, you drunk." <laughs> I would totally say that to you if you pick when you pick me up from Cotton to Cob and you have a cinnamon, <laughs> cinnamon scented air freshener. I'll be a dude. You got an open Fireball in here somewhere. Anyways, <laughs> so on to the news. <clears throat> um, we have Shadow of the Beanstalk is on PDF, everyone. Yay! It came out, yeah, it came out on PDF this past week. It's still twenty four ninety five, so it's half price um, for PDF. And I wouldn't. I was just telling Tony, I wouldn't pay fifty bucks for a PDF anyway. Right, right. Only if they printed the damn thing out, mailed it to me, and gave me the PDF, would I spend fifty bucks on drive through RPG for it. But no, twenty five right, bucks well. is good. 25 is pretty good for a PDF, especially mm-hmm. one as high quality as this. Yeah. I mean, it's two hundred over 250 pages, so yeah. <clears throat> 10 cents a page doesn't suck. <laughs> that's math. Math are hard. Yeah, that's math, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we won't get into math anywhere math. All right. So what's next Sorry. on the agenda? Uh, listener feedback. Yes. We had uh, we had from one from our good friend on his vacation, nonetheless, Mister Stefan Dragonspawn. He says, "What up, my brother nerds? I've I had tried to get my Android game started before the official book came out by using the fan made Android document by Corlal Pound three six two eight whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good document, by but, the way. But RL got in the way." Uh, That'd be real life for all you non-internet people. Yeah. (laughs) I still liked some of the elements of their document and decided to keep them, and I'll tell you why. And this is a good thing. You know, he mentioned here, he says, number one, I was rather disappointed the lack of human templates as the core rulebook just had the normal human and removed the laborer, intellectual, and aristocrat. I'm assuming he's talking about Shadow the Beanstalk. Correct. For the core book. Right. Okay, gotcha. 
But Corlal created three more for the basic four, Athletic, Urchin, and Pusher, which can give your character a different focus. Their abilities also help emphasize their types. So I kept all seven. Really cool. Yeah, that's cool. I'll have to check those out. Yeah. See if I'll allow those in my uh, Android games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And then the careers are nice, but I will also make ones from Coralal's, uh, make the ones from Coralal's, such as Charmer, Infiltrator, and Pilot available as well. They may, but may, men, but any, uh, actually, Charmer and Pilot are in the core rulebook. Um, but uh, anyhow, but any overlap, and I will use the ones from the official book, such as The Runner. <clears throat> And it says, I agree that there aren't enough Cybermedics G mods. Mm-hmm. Cyberpunk 2020 and Shadowrun had plenty of such things. I certainly hope that they come up with another source book just for gear, including cyber and genetic technology. Otherwise, I could use the appropriate Star Wars supplements. And that's one thing that I'm going to be doing is uh, porting over a bunch of Star Wars stuff mm-hmm. for my Android games just to make the um, fill out the holes in the uh, cyberware section. Mm-hmm. Um, we may have to put a uh, we may have to put a li- you should put a list of what those what those source books are that you might be yeah. grabbing stuff from up on our Mayway page that I, like I people may. yeah that'd be good there's may so do that them. just about anything <clears throat> cyberware wise there's a lot of things that like jump over back and mm-hmm. forth yeah price wise I'm finding that the Star Wars prices are about five times uh, the price yeah, for that's Android what that's what we saw the other day didn't we yeah, so if I'm going to use Star Wars stuff, I'm just going to divide the price by five. Maybe maybe if it's something black market, you know, divide by five and add 100 or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but either way, the uh, and then the last part of his email, I believe that another source of inspiration for this genre would be the anime Bubblegum Crisis, which is also set in a high-tech future near near that high-tech near future that deals with issues of humanity and boomers, uh, which can be bioroids from Android. And the four heroines all don unique power armor to fight problems of rogue boomers in the city while keeping their identity a secret. Yes, one of these ladies suit actually better at hacking computers than physical combat. So yeah, you could totally do bubblegum crisis in Android. Just need to build some power armor for your. Um, and there is a lot of anime out there that is, um, in the cyberpunk genre. Bubblegum crisis, uh, Evangelion. You know, there's others that I I'm drawing a blank on. Um, Ghost in the Shell, obviously Akira. Mm-hmm. Those are the classics. There's a lot of cyberpunk themes in in anime. Um, Tank Police, Dominion. There's another Alita, one. Alita, Battle Angel. Alita, yeah, Alita, Battle Angel. All of them, yes. Last part of his email was just to me. Uh, oh, no, it was. It says, to me another too. Great show, another great show despite Chris's additional sound effects. What? I think I think you were a little burpy last episode. Was I? Um, apologize yeah. for that, everybody. No, I'm not. I don't really. No, nah, I don't apologize. <laughs> and it was nice to hear Jim's point of view and input as well. Bring back Cherry Blow Pop. I plan on it. (laughs) (laughs) Such a great name. (laughs) That's awesome. I plan on it. She's probably going to be one of my most reoccurring characters in our uh, advantageous threat segment. Yep. So thank you, Stefan. Appreciate the email. Uh, Yeah, we we do 
we do we did miss a ton of sources for cyberpunk literature and mm-hmm. TV shows and whatnot. But again, if you just use Wikipedia, type in cyberpunk literature, you will find a plethora of stuff. That means a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right for you, all you guys out there, Jamie. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, big words. <laughs> yeah, we'll continue to use all big words. Multiple shell apples. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we get on to the next section? Oh, yeah, let's do that, bud. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 50 Pieces of Awesome. This is where Chris... <laughs> Sorry, goes out on the internet and he finds us something to talk about that is amaze balls. What do you got this week, bud? Well, actually, I kind of want to. I'm going to call a slight audible here because what I'm going to sh- tell you all about tonight is probably worth about 100, 150 pieces of awesome because it is. Um, Drain Smith's dispensary of everything you need. Ooh, shiny. But Drain Smith, I didn't it doesn't have everything we need. I didn't see the woman in a red dress out here. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> no, oh, I'm telling you, dude. We have we we actually mentioned Drain Smith back on episode 15, um, couple of character sheets that he created. He's got those here. Everything else he's put together. We're talking some graphics. InDesign templates and source files. Now, I've never used InDesign, but I believe it's kind of almost on the lines of like that GM binder where you can create, you know, your layouts of, you know, documents and and whatever. So he's got his templates in there. Probably some of the cards. (laughs) Speaking of which, he created network encounter cards for... Um, what do you call it? Foreshadows of the Beanstalk. And these are pretty damn cool. So he's got like cards for like your ice, your icebreakers, your different barriers that you can have, your different programs. Pretty sweet stuff. Um, the spell sheets are pretty cool because he's got um, on the bottom of each spell sheet, um, he's got place that he's got a place for spells known. Now I'm guessing that's a place where you can kind of come, you can kind of write down your most common spells, build them up, and whatever. So that's cool. He did a um, Lost Minds of Fandelver D and D Five E Starter Set Adventure, which, by the way, one of the best, better adventures I've actually run <clears throat> and have actually played in in a long time in D and D. That he converted to Genesis for us. So that's cool. Also, he's got a um, Something Strange, which is called, well, it's called Something Strange, <laughs> and it's a modern horror setting. Um, so that's awesome. And then um, something that I think is kind of a work in progress called the Soul System 2088. But what he's got in there for the Martian archetype, dude, mm-hmm. is pretty sweet. Let me pull it up real quick. I was going to have it. I was going to have it up, but I forgot. Um, okay. Um, I think for the Martian, um, what the heck was that? I can't remember, but it was pretty cool. So the Martian archetype, there's a, that would be something I would probably pull in and use for 
my expanse enhancement. Um, I would use the loony for creating a belter and give this low G adept and low G master talents to them for free. So a low G adept means um, if you're in zero G, it's not difficult terrain. Um, it's not considered difficult terrain. <clears throat> and um, low G master talents, basically you could do coordination and athletics checks. If you're in zero G, you get a boost die. That feels very belterish to me, man. Very nice. Anyways, anyways, so this is <laughs> this is just a plethora of awesomeness. So that's why I kind of want to I kind of want to give away 150 pieces because this is a lot of stuff, and I can we could go into each one of these, um, you know, for things you know at some you know like something strange could be its own 50 piece of awesome because it's really it's really good, really good. See- you're just going about this all wrong. You should have just mm-hmm. mined him a little bit at a time for 50 pieces of awesome here and there out of it. And then at the end of it all, you just tell them all about where you found it all. No, Chris, I'll you, just give you him. Could've, I, you could have spread I've got, this out over multiple shows, buddy. You just totally. It's okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I've, got these 50, I've got all these. I've got this big bag of awesomeness. <laughs> that I'll throw his way, <laughs> dude. This yeah, is this a is... lot of cool stuff in here. I have just is. personally sitting here while I was listening to you talk, <laughs> downloaded like eight of the items on there. Uh, it's <laughs> so good. Yeah, he's got a couple of GM screens, combat summary, equipment encyclopedia, adversaries anthology, um, a talent tome, which he's put all the talents into one thing. Um, created a player's guide, which is for Shadow of the Beanstalk, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, that'd be something you could ship to your players and say, "Hey, here's what's available." You know, very nice. I don't know, pretty cool, pretty neat stuff. Well done, well done. All right, Drainsmith, you got more. Now your grand total: two hundred pieces of awesome, fifty from before, one hundred fifty from today. Um, I no, that honestly... was actually that was actually before we mentioned. But that was actually before we did fifty pieces of awesome. Oh, <clears throat> all right. Well. I only have 150 to give away. Sorry. Still, that makes him the richest pieces of awesome holding person out there because Chris and I don't even have that much to give away anymore. No, I, I'll spend, man. Dude, I, I probably should have milked this for all thing that I could. But dude, I could have got five shows out of this. <laughs> it was good stuff, man. I loved it. Thanks yeah. for bringing it up. Yeah. All right. So, Drainsmith, we give you. 150 pieces of awesome. All right, everybody. Open up your books of Genesis. Because ah, ah, ah. tonight's we are talking Primordial Machina Talents. That's the name of our episode, which we always wait till like now to tell everybody what the name of the episode is. But that's okay. Because we're going to get into the to the depths of it. Um, and I think what we want to do is get everybody kind of level set again and kind of refresh some talent creation. So if you open up your core book to page 194 in um, the, the Dead Tree version or 195 in your PDF. <laughs> right, Tony? <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> we can... Um, Kind of go over, maybe hit on some of these, kind of one of the things on how to create a talent here. So, um, 
At its core, a talent is really something, it's a way for the character to kind of break the rules that are, the basic rules that are already written out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, by removing setback dice, by adding boost dice, being able to use a certain knowledge skill for your spells instead of, you know, another knowledge skill. Um, <clears throat> converting a, strain to successes. Converting strain to successes. Um, being able to be so dedicated that you get to increase, uh, you know, a, a characteristic by one right up at, you know, tier five. And that's what, you know, talents come in various tiers. We have mm-hmm. five tiers of them, tier one through five. Um, so when we're thinking of creating a talent, Tony, what do we want to, what are some of the questions we want to ask ourselves? What do you think? Well, well, first you should have an idea about what your talent is. Is it going to be a defensive talent, an offensive talent? Is it going to affect certain skills? Um, is it, uh, does it make performing a task easier? Is it deep? Uh, a debuff talent that uh, makes your opponent's tasks harder, mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth. Once you have a general idea in your mind, ask yourself the following questions. The first question is, does it have a mechanical effect or a narrative one? Um, mm-hmm. In our ex- in the example, uh, what is a talent uh, listed on page 194, um, they list knack for it. That has a mechanical effect. It allows you to remove setback dice. Um Whereas uh, how convenient, on the other hand, is a narrative effect because it changes the ongoing story but doesn't interact directly with the game mechanics. Mm-hmm. So that's a talent on page 80, and um, it allows you to make a check to have an item spontaneously break without your character having taken any physical actions to break it. Yep. Um, so... That just affects the narrative. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the two different types of talents, a narrative one or a, or a um, mechanical. Next question? Well, the next question is you want to ask yourself, what characters does the talent affect? Does it affect your character? Does it affect its, her, her, their allies, the target allies? Or does it, or does it target, or does it target like your enemies, right? Um, <clears throat> so those are some of the things you want to, that's kind of what you want to ask yourself there. Not only that, but you also want to know who can take it when you're asking this question, uh, who should be the people taking it? Um, yeah, your allies, you or your enemies, right? Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Okay. What else do we next, ask ourselves? Next question. Do you use this talent during a specific type of encounter? Is it a social encounter talent? Is it an investigative encounter talent? Is it a combat encounter talent? Um, Those are important questions to ask yourself. Is it every encounter? If it's every encounter, then it ought to to be a little harder to get. That's true. mm -hmm. Very true. And then? But then, then you want to ask yourself, is this talent active or passive? Now, that's meaning, do you have to activate it with an incidental or a maneuver or an action? Or is it always on? Like, for instance, um, grit. Mm-hmm. You get a plus one or plus two to your strain um, for every for every um, rank you have in it. And it's always that's basically always on, right? Whereas um, 
activating, um, I think, let me think, uh, like quick draw. No, no, that's not it. No, I think that's an incidental. That's an incidental or something, right? You take an incidental to activate it. Um, Inspiring rhetoric. I think that's an action that you have to use, you know? So, um, and then some cost, um, well, actually, I think we might, it might ask what, what do they cost as well? So, um, so yeah, so there's a difference there. And then um, <clears throat> beyond if the talent is active, what else do we want to ask ourselves with that, if it is active? Well, if it is active, how long does it take to use? Mm-hmm. Is, it a, is it something that's incidental? Is it a maneuver? Is it reducing the time something takes? For instance, like quick go. draw. Mm-hmm. Quick draw is normally, drawing weapons normally a maneuver. However, uh, quick draw changes it to an incidental. Good um, way of explaining that one, yep. Yep, and then... Um, you know, does is it does it take an action? Does it require a die roll? That's your big differentiator between a maneuver and an action. Maneuvers and actions usually take the same amount of time in an in an encounter. However, actions require a die roll. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, you could think of it this way: if you're doing something that doesn't require a roll, it's a maneuver, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's pretty much it. And if it's something that is equal to speaking a few words or Dropping Behave, a weapon. Dropping a weapon. It's an incidental. Yeah. yeah. Take no time. Yep. All right. So what's next? The next thing that you have to ask ourselves is if it is an active talent, what's it? What's what does it cost to use beyond mm-hmm. a maneuver or, a, or an action? Um, it could cost the story point. I believe there are a couple of, there are a few of them out there that you need to spend a story point on. For instance, can't remember the name of it, but there is one where you can link a characteristic to a combat skill and add that characteristic ranks, ranks in that characteristic. So if you have a three in agility, if you spend a story point, if you hit somebody, you can add three to your damage. Now, if you've used a story point when you made that combat check, you couldn't use a story point to activate this talent in the same role. Um, so that's a limiting factor um, on this talent by using story points. Um, strain is another one. Does it uh-huh. inflict strain on your character to use them? I think, um, what is it, is bodyguard one? Oh, parry. There you go. Parry is one where you can spend some strain to convert wounds to strain, basically. That's what you're doing. Gotcha. Or and then the other cost is the time, which would be actions or maneuvers that right. you would take. Um, just luck. so you know, it was lucky strike was the talent you were thinking of there that lucky takes the story strike. point. That's right. Yep. 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 <clears throat> so yeah, so you wouldn't be able to use this lucky strike talent and be able to upgrade your check to to hit say. Um, so that's kind of balancing and lucky strike is a pretty, pretty good talent. I mean, you're adding a lot of damage. Um, so you want to limit it in that, in that sense, not only by maybe the tier that you decide that it's on, but this is a way to, to limit that as well. Uh And there's another way to limit it too. What's next? How often should the talent be used during a session? Mm -hmm. Now there's a once per round on the character's turn. So, this is exactly what it sounds like. The character can use the talent once per game round on their turn only. Mm-hmm. They can't do it on someone else's turn. Um, once per round is a slightly looser variant on the previous limiter, and the character can only use the talent once per round, but they can use it during some anyone's turn, not just their own. So if it can yeah. take an out-of-turn incidental to do. Yep. 
Um, and then there's once per encounter. That's your ones that you want to. You don't. You don't want them because it's so good. They would go to it for every move in that encounter. Yeah. Um, that's where you. Uh, yeah, I don't want you to use this more than once per encounter. And mm-hmm. then the last one is once per session. Yeah. Figure you're going to have an average of three to five encounters per session. Do you want your players being able to use it in every one of them? If not, once per session is a great limiter. Yep. And I think the once per session one, those are kind of reserved for your re-rolls. Mm-hmm. Like once per session, you can re-roll a combat check or a survival check or something. A lot of your higher ranking talents, the ones that really break the game rules, are once per session rules. Yeah. Once per session talents. So. Yep. Some of them are pretty nifty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and then there is one last question. It is the important question because it's the one that most people get wrong. Everybody debates on. I look at other talents written by other people, and I go, I think you got that wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and what Tony's talking about is what tier do you put the talents in? Now, I'm starting on page um, 196, well, 195, they kind of give a start to the blur, but really they get into the meat of it on, on 196. Um, what you would put in a tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, tier five talents. So basically your tier one talents are very simple with very small effects like um, like um, uh, toughened, grit, um, I think quick draw, those, you know, those talents are, are tier one, you know? Um, yep. They basically, um, yeah, they're not they're not too remarkable. Um, if you re- if the talents allow you to remove a set one setback die, or add one um, boost die to a check, you know, um, that's those are about the right level for tier one um, talents. So also adding a career skill. Yeah, there you go. That's not a magic skill. Right. That's not a magic skill. You want to save that for like tier two probably, right? Right. We're thinking, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So, t- Tony, what do we put in tier two? <clears throat> uh, tier two is where like you start to get uh, the defensive talents, um, such as those that let characters perform maneuvers or actions that protect them from melee or ranged attacks. Additionally, include talents that give characters more combat options, allowing them to do different things. Wielding two weapons, um, and so on and so forth. Also, Tier 2 includes talents that allow characters to provide minor but useful bonuses to their allies. So when you start affecting your allies' die rolls with boost dice, or removing setback, or giving them uh, automatic advantage, that's this is the purvey of Tier 2. Right. Overall, tier two is a good place to add in ranked talents that are useful enough that you want a lot of characters to take them, but you don't want them to be auto includes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Tier um, three. Well, before we go into that, you you mentioned ranked talents, and we mm-hmm. haven't mentioned what a ranked talent is actually oh. in this part. Um, and you know, it's a good it's a good segue to kind of talk about them. Now, your ranked talents are talents you can take more than once, but you have to take the next rank a tier above the one you've started at. So, say um, grit is a tier one talent. So. Rank one, you'll get plus one to your strain threshold. Um, and then at tier two, you could take it again, 
and add another strain to your threshold and so on or so on and etc um but what talent what tony mentioned these defensive talents like perry and um what was the other one reflect uh, dodge dodge or something yeah dodge. those start at tier two because you don't necessarily want you know too many ranks um to be added or you want it to want them to start a little higher up right right um, well you, you yeah. want those ranks to be expensive the higher the yes. tier the talent the higher the more expensive those ranks, those are. ranks to are. get five ranks in something that starts at tier three you have to take it tier three tier four and then three more times at tier five. Yeah, which is twenty five XP each. Yeah, that's that's a lot. And yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, that's that's what your tier, the, your talents do um, cost um, is five XP times the tier they're in, um, and you have to have one more talent at a tier before you could take a tier at a new level. So you need at least two tier one talents to take a tier two talent. You need at least two tier two talents, three tier one talents before you could take a tier three talent, and that so goes on. yeah, and then so on and so forth. Um, and speaking of tier three talents, these are the talents that start to kind of change the way the game is um, is played a bit. Mm -hmm. um, they're more versatile for defense and offense. Um, they'll be upgrading or or um, downgrading checks, difficulties of combat checks. Um, you'll be adding more damage to the check, so I think that Lucky Strike talent is a Tier 3 talent. Um, no, it's Tier 2. It is Tier 2? Yeah. Okay. But it costs no, maybe, a story point. But it does cost a story point, so yeah. So there you go. So, that's so hey, that's a perfect example here. Though they say, here's the, you know, the ability to add more damage for Tier 3, but you're limiting it with the story point, which... Would put it maybe in a tier two, so this is more of a more of a art than a science, if you will. Um, it is uh, a lot of their talents in the core rulebook, in the Terranoth book, in the Shadow of the Beanstalk book, all break their rules. Yeah, yeah, these basic and, rules here. Yeah, a little bit. But that's because they can, and they've play tested these rules. They know yeah. they have. All these people out there playtesting them, mm -hmm. they know where they want to put them, and it's their science, their art. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, exactly. just just like the uh, the the uh, you know artists break their own rules all the time. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what they're doing. Same here. Yeah. yeah. And then um, another one is um, you know the uh, the animal companion where you get a permanent pet. You know, that's a tier three talent. Mm -hmm. um, again, I mean, don't be afraid to create new talents and put them where you think they should go and just roll with it, you know? Don't right. be afraid to do that. These are just guidelines. Most assuredly. So then we get into Tier 4. Tier 4 should be the home of your best talents, uh, some of your best talents. Arguably, these talents are the game-breaking ones, um, allowing you to change your critical, uh, yeah. choose the critical you take. Mm -hmm. Um Another thing you can do in, in Tier 4 Talents is uh, allow you to do things that would require an action as a maneuver instead. Uh, that means you could potentially do it three times in a turn, which is pretty badass. Um, so, yeah, likewise, a buff that lets allies perform extra actions belongs here as well. Um, because this show uh, this slows down gameplay, any talent that lets characters roll multiple 
pools of dice in a single turn should be a tier four or better talent. Uh, tier four should also be the home for rank talents that you do, don't want players purchasing very many ranks of. Again, same <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, so then last tier last tier would be tier five. Now these are talents that are slightly better than tier four, but they are also those talents you really, that really won't be taken too many times. Like for instance, permanently improving, you know, dedication, permanently improving one of the key characters characteristics. Um, being able to decrease the difficulty. Now, this is decrease the difficulty. Now, that means taking a difficulty die away. So making, making that hard check an average check or that average check a simple check. You know? Um, big, big step. Yeah. Big steps. And I think there's one in Tiernoth, which is one of your favorites, Tony, which is basically your... I could cast the spell all freaking day called <laughs> Zealous Fire. When the Game Master spends the story point, your character heals to strain. Mm-hmm. Every <laughs> mage should have this talent <laughs> because it's a free spell for me, man. It I mean, almost it really sounds is. like you're quoting me. It's wonderful, I believe. Isn't it, though? Yeah. <laughs> I might as well be. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, well, this is good. okay. So, this is a great segue into creating our own talents now we have created some for our setting and this is just a small amount of them some of them (coughs) we've created and then there's others we've done a little bit of reskinning yeah now that's one thing that i want to talk about before we go into the ones we created there are resources out there you can reskin from Mm -hmm. um not just for your i mean our setting again it's a post-apocalyptic steampunk world Mm -hmm. um where the elements play a big part, the four elements. So uh, we're drawing from fantasy. We're drawing from also from tech, technological settings like uh, Shadow of the Beanstalk, uh, Star Wars. We're drawing from all these sources to get our inspiration for our talents. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you're when you're doing this and you're building your talents, look out there. If you don't have the Star Wars books. There are people that do that can tell you what talents are available. Mm-hmm. And there's resources on the internet where you can read the talents. There's people who've made talent lists. There's people who've made talent uh, printable talent trees of all of the Star Wars careers. Mm-hmm. There there's is also a, there's also the one the the what is it the expanded talent list that a group of folks on the um, on the uh, the Genesis forums have put together. And they've and ported over a ton of Star a Wars talents. A ton of Star Wars Star Wars talents and made them appropriate for. Um, Genesis. But if you're doing yeah. a setting that uses any kind of technology, look at what's in Shadow of the Beanstalk. If you're doing yeah. a setting that uses any kind of magic, look in Realms of Terranoth. Absolutely. Move, pull things over that fit. Right. And then if so, you don't find anything, if you have a concept like Tony and I, we're going to go get into here that just isn't out there, hey, create your own. And we've kind of pulled these, we've kind of used a framework. Of the, you know, a base talent, then an improved version, and a superior version of them, starting them at different tiers. So, do we want to get into those that we've created, the three here that we've created? Sure, because they're kind of important for our setting. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Let's do it. Start with the first one, buddy. Okay, so the first one is, so we're calling this Elemental Resistance. 
we have a prerequisite for it that you have to be an amalgam of the element that you that you're selected so say my fire amalgam um i will take elemental resistance fire and it's a tier one passive talent which means it's always on and the benefit the mechanical benefit is i add four soak versus the element selected so i'd have four soak versus fire for the base elemental resistance and it makes sense it gives a bit of flavor it you know i mean my amalgam should be able to walk through the campfire or walk on the hot coals when dared and not hurt himself <laughs> right i mean and, and 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 that's why we made this a tier one talent because yes. we would like all amalgams to be able to take it and mm-hmm. it'd be a building block for them yep yeah what's the next one So then we decided to go with Elemental Resistance Improved. Now, again, you choose an element. It has to be, the prerequisites are, uh, you have to be an amalgam of the element selected, and you have to have Elemental Resistance of the same type. So Mm -hmm. here you are. You're just building on it. So let's use the example of your Fire Amalgam. He's taken Elemental Fire Resistance. Now at Tier 3, he can take this passive, he meets the prerequisites. It's elemental resistance, improved fire, and it gives him plus eight soak versus the element selected. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. that's cool. Yeah, now mm-hmm. he's now he's able to take direct fire attacks yes. and walk through fireballs. Basically, yeah, <laughs> and shrug off the damage. He might take one or two. Maybe, you know, three or four, but he's not going to fall. Yeah. So then we have our third level of this. Yeah. And this is the, this is the, the apex of your resistance as, a, as an amalgam called superior elemental resistance. And again, you have to be the amalgam of the element selected. You have to have elemental resistance. You have to have elemental resistance, the, the improved version of elemental resistance it's a tier four talent. So at this point, your character has already um, invested, this would be 40 experience points just for these resistances. Not to mention all the other talents you need to actually be able to create a tier four talent, right? So you would need at least, what, another 15, uh, 25, probably 65 more experience points to to even almost 100 experience points before even grabbing this tier 4 talent. So your right. character is not a beginner character. Not a beginner character. That's basically what I'm getting into, <laughs> what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And you get immunity versus the element you've selected. And it makes sense. You know, fire, you're, you know, you're the apex of a fire element, they'll say. My guy should be immune to fire. And that, that's exactly why we made it tier four instead of tier five. Yep. Because it changes the others, just increase the soak. You have four soak plus eight soak. Mm-hmm. This one, it overwrites all the XP you spent on those other talents to give you complete immunity. Yes. So instead of making it tier five, that's why we made it tier four, just so you know, folks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so those are the so those were our um, the ones we've created. Right. From scratch. For, for uh, Primordial Machina. Right. Now, what ones then, are we thinking of reskinning, do you think? Well, Sorry, we're not, we not necessarily reskinning, but we certainly want magic to be a big part of our setting. So mm-hmm. we're going to have signature spell, improved signature spell, and other magical talents from Terranoth. Definitely going to bring those over. Mm-hmm. 
Um, those and and most of what we find in the Genesis expanded talents uh, list created by the folks on the Genesis forum was what I went by for my playtest. I just said, "Here's the document. Use this. If it doesn't, if it doesn't explicitly uh, match up with skills in our system or with the characters in our system, we'll rewrite Tweak it. Him. Yeah, yeah, tweak it." Right. So in the case of, you know, one of the examples would be one that required uh, – it was for both mechanics and computers skills. And mm-hmm. we don't have a computer skills in Primordial Machina, but we do have the artifice skill. So uh, giving it some thought, maybe because artifice is a magic skill, maybe bumping it up a talent – a tier from what they had it at and then on top of that uh, letting it affect artifice and mechanics. Yeah. Um, made it uh made it fit for our system mm-hmm. so yeah. for our game so then we also i was looking at uh particularly the shapeshifter and shapeshifter approved that's talents a, that's and, a cool cool concept you have for this i like this and and to me the amalgams again when i thought of amalgams i think they're living elemental but they're they're, they're humanoid mm-hmm. they're they're humanoid they have skin you know they've they just have elemental features, you know, for your fire elemental, they have wispy, fiery hair for, for your, um, water amalgam. They have, you know, maybe seashells, uh, as part of their skin or maybe, um, Mm -hmm. fish gills or things like that. The air amalgam Uh, always has a breeze flowing through their hair. I mean, come on. Always, always. Yeah. (laughs) Your hair amalgam is your supermodel. Yeah. Your hair is always (laughs) perfect with the, you flip it and it's, ah, (laughs) And your earth amalgams, you know, they have dark and stony looking skin and, and, but they're humanoid. They look, and and I use my inspiration, which is the Ganassi from the, but I liked the idea of shapeshifter and improved shapeshifter being in this setting only available to amalgams. Mm -hmm. So that was the skinning we did. We made it only available to amalgams and it allows them to change into an elemental of their type. Yeah. <laughs> cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Pretty neat. Yeah. And so the stat that increases normally with shapeshifting, you increase agility and brawn by one. Mm-hmm. And then you would reduce your, I think it's willpower by one and presence. Yeah. In this case, the amalgam will increase only the stat that they are that it's linked to it that they are linked to yes yeah. so, so in the case to lay those out so fire amalgam will go up in presence the uh yeah. the the earth amalgam will go up in brawn the water amalgam will go up in agility and your air amalgam will go up in cunning yep. uh, and uh and then so instead of getting two benefits and two negatives they only just get the one benefit yeah. but, but that's the reskinning of that for mm-hmm. our amalgams for um, primordial machina. Yeah, and your amalgam doesn't have to take it. It's nope. just another. It's just another option out there. Which is that's what these are kind of all about, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then we have. Yeah. Well, we yeah. Some, next. We, next, what we have is a group of talents that we need because we have clockworks, which, mm-hmm. i.e., think of droids from Star Wars. Basically, um, in a cl- in our clockwork kind of setting, um, steampunky 
clockworky setting. Um, and we have mechs as well. Mm-hmm. Powered, kind of like steampunky powered armor, if you will. Um, we've picked about a we picked a handful of talents that go in here for that. Um, so something like like reroute systems, a tier four high level talent, which allows you to um, increase a characteristic yet decrease a characteristic, kind of reprogram yourself. And I think Tony, we were thinking of only allowing the clockwork. Yes. To have this talent, be able to change their own. Now, if they only have it, could they change it to an, on another clockwork? I don't see why not. Yeah. But it would be clockwork will only have that kind of intricate knowledge of how they work. Yeah. Yep. So, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it just allows them to make an average uh, mechanics check to reduce one of their characteristics by one and increase another of the characteristics by one. Nice. That's the wording. Okay, and then we had like a couple others that we mm-hmm. brought over, like Machine Mender. Uh, machine Mender is uh, when making a mechanics check to help a character heal wounds, the target heals an additional wound per rank of Machine Mender. Now, the only time you heal wounds with a mechanics check is for Clockwork. Yep. So that that's basically the Surgeon talent for... Uh, for clockwork for medicine yeah yeah yep for medicine but uh it's a tier one here because it's only limited to one race yeah and uh and it's a ranked the, talent so you can get multiple um levels of it so man you got four ranks in this thing whenever you heal a wound successfully heal a wound you're gonna add four to yep. that when yeah so that's that's kind of cool yep that's a pretty good one what else do we then have the, Next, we brought over hidden storage. Hidden storage <laughs> is you gain a hidden storage in vehicles, equipment, and items that hold an, an encumbrance equal to your ranks in hidden storage. Now, this one is not going to be clockwork only, but this fits really well in like Machina yes. or in a clockwork. A clockwork could have a hidden space in his body. Yep. <laughs> we, we went ahead because we have living characters with it and machines, large machines that can hold stuff. We went ahead and made it tier two. Yeah. Uh, tier two starting, and it's ranked. And so, it get and it gets a total gains a total encumbrance equal to the ranks in hidden storage. So if you were a tier, if you took it at tier one, then two, three, four, four encumbrance, you're getting up there with some pretty easy stuff. I mean, hard stuff to hide. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and then uh, what's next? The next one we have eye for detail. Now this is a um, a tier. Th- Three talent, which it's ranked as well, mm-hmm. but after making a mechanics or computers check, but in our case, a mechanics check, um, may suffer strain up to the ranks in eye for detail to convert that many successes into advantage. Nice. So that's when you're creating stuff. You can you can generate more advantage to get those free, um, what do you call it, um, boosts. To whatever you're creating, you know, for the well, when you're when making you're crafting, yeah, when you're making items, yes, when you're crafting, and we haven't mm-hmm. really covered crafting yet. It's coming down the road, folks. Yeah. But when you're making, you really want to generate advantage, and this talent is a must if you're a crafter. It is, yep. 
Uh, and if you're doing a system where you're going to allow a lot of crafting, you may want to look into putting it, uh, a version of this talent in. So, the last one we have for our clockwork and machina is redundant systems. It's a tier one, but it's highly limited. It's once per session. Make a okay. redundant systems action. Excuse me. Take a redundant systems action. Make an easy mechanics check. That's one purple difficulty. To harvest components from a functional device to repair a broken one without breaking the first device. So when somebody breaks something of yours, you can just grab a part from somewhere, slap it into the other, and they both work. <laughs> yeah. This is like this is like the the epitome of kit bashing. Oh, or yeah. like tinkerer, you know. If you're a tinkerer, man, you need this. <laughs> you basically, it's this is it. This gives oh, yeah. so much flavor. It's so much. It's so flavorful. I picture yeah. like uh, J13 Dale's uh, character, like yeah. reaching down inside of his chest cavity, pulling out an extra gear, handing it to someone. Here, this will fix it. That's right. You're <laughs> you're mocking us. Yeah, put this motivator <laughs> in your mocking Damn it. <laughs> Make it work. That's yeah. great. So, yeah, those are some of the ones we've done so far. Cool. Cool. So, yeah, so that's what we've done for um, Primordial Machina. Um, Thus far. We're still writing more. We're still doing the play test. Probably only have a couple more sessions on that. But um, I asked my players last session to give us some feedback, maybe come up with some talents for us. So who knows? They may have some really good ones for us next time. Mm -hmm. Um, Talents that fit their characters. Ones that I can say, hey, yeah, that's cool. Or no way. That's too powerful. Go away. (laughs) Um so, uh, yeah, and then in this, I also wanted, I'm, I kind of called an audible in advance. I kind of wanted to discuss other talents that Chris and I were working on for mm-hmm. other things. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I've talked about myself is supersetting. Eventually, I'm going to do one. Eventually, I'm going to try, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm just going to pour it over somebody else's work and finish it. I don't know. But either way, one of the things that makes supers um, cool is custom talents um, that a talent that only that character can take uh, and working with your players to build a custom talents for their superpowers. And I, I, I made one for my character for the uh, later for uh, advantageous threats. Oh, sweet. And, uh, and I, I will go over it then, but I just wanted to kind of cover, you know, when you're making a custom talent for a specific character, tier is a little less important what tier you're making it because they're uh, they're going to take it. <laughs> no matter what tier you're putting it at, they're going to take it. Mm-hmm. Always just kind of look at what it – I mean as far as the availability of it, tier doesn't matter is what I mean. Mm-hmm. The power of it. In yeah. this case, the one I'm talking about, what it allows them to do is change – an action into a maneuver that they perform as if they had done a, the action with a simple success. That's a major rule breaker. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be either a tier four or a tier five talent. Since they can only do it once per encounter, it's now a tier four. <laughs> so there you go. So, and, and I'll talk about it later when I talk about, uh, 
inadvantageous threats. Cool. But uh, what have you done so far, Chris? Well, I was kind of, I was thinking of, um, well, in Primeval Thule, which actually I haven't touched that in, <laughs> in months, in a while. <laughs> so it got me thinking about the setting. So what I so what I started doing when I was thinking of talents, I'm like, okay, what's, what's special in this setting? What do I want... What, all, what kind of feel or theme do I want these talents to have? Well, the first thing that hit me was it's a gritty system where mm-hmm. magic is scary. And there's some freaky fear, madness, Cthulhu-esque kind of things in there. So immediately I thought of the talents, your fear and madness rules. Mm-hmm. And those um, associated talents for your adversaries or even for are, and then maybe creating some for the player characters to get as well to help with fear and madness and, and those kinds of things. Since that will probably that could be a theme in the um, in prime primeval pool. Okay. The other thing that I was thinking of was f- gimping magic. <coughs> now, what do I mean by gimping? And I know um, Jamie out there is going, what are you doing? Why do you want to change magic? Now, I'm thinking it might cost more strain to cast, maybe three, to cast a spell. I don't know. Mm. Easier to botch, you know, a spell. Making those, um, you, you know, you might be upgrading checks. A lot of red dice when you're casting spells in the system, right? So, and going it'd be here. Ahead. Yeah. What if, what if, and this is my, (laughs) I know people are going to hate me for this idea, but what if um, you take those magic charts and instead of adding difficulty dice, each one of those adds an upgrade? Doesn't suck, Tony. (laughs) That doesn't suck. (laughs) So the more you upgrade your power... The, the harder it is. The harder it is. I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> Easier to buy. I just thought I, I thought of that. I'm like, what if those were all red dice you were at instead of purple ones? <laughs> increase difficulty. So yeah, um, when, magic if you charts. Yeah, I like basic, that. If you were just making a base bolt attack, let's just call mm-hmm. that, and you wanted to add fire to it. In order to do that, you would have to upgrade your check so instead of it being one purple it's now one red because what you really are encouraging only really in magic in the setting is you want that despair to cause madness yeah you do yeah you do you get me tony you get it yeah (laughs) and something like that obviously would have to be play tested when i get my ass and get some kind of play testing mini campaign together for that but anyways so yeah, so that's kind of what I was what I was thinking. So as I, as I was thinking, like I said, as I was thinking of the setting, thinking of the themes, what I want these talents, these new talents to do to kind of stand out. And of course, you know, because the, it is a magic setting, I'll basically be saying, yeah, realms of Tirnoth, you know, pulling a bunch of things there, mm-hmm. you know, from that. So, so yeah, so that's what I have for Primeval Duel. Dude, sounds like uh, you've uh, had a couple of uh, nice ideas to go into, maybe retool, and I don't know, maybe run something. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> All right, All right. Do we want to. Uh, so, is it, man, this is the meat of the show. The meat right. has been eaten, the meat has been done. Uh, let's move on to dessert. Let's. 
right, welcome to Setting the Tone, folks. This is where Chris and I go into one of the books of Genesis and find some fluff and kind of read about it, maybe just talk about it. And We want to start with this awesome Shadow of the Beanstalk book that we just got. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. There is this huge chapter of fluffy dessert back in the back of the book. starts in chapter four, and so we're going to start Yum. at the beginning of that. Yum. Mm-hmm. Dude, this I might just the- say, I might just say, this picture on this page with the androids does not equal humans and the big sledgehammer in the dude's hand and no jobs for clones, the camera drone. This is this is one of the biggest. Just looking at this picture tells you a lot of like, okay, this is the big one of the biggest conflicts in this setting. Is right. We're talking page 141 of Shadow of the Beanstalk, folks. Right, right. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, clones taking over jobs and androids taking over jobs for, for the humans. And that's a, oh, yeah. a big, one of the biggest conflicts in the setting that you can pull on as a, as a GM. <clears throat> yep. So it goes in, and this is a chapter, just an overview of New Angeles and Heinlein. Why is Heinlein included? What is Heinlein? Well, folks, mm-hmm. Heinlein is a city on the moon that is considered the 11th district of uh, New Angeles. It is governed by New Angeles Yep. in, uh, in absentia, basically, <laughs> from Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's... Uh, So it's included in this chapter. Now, New Angeles is the reason why we have the shadow of the beanstalk. It is the city built in Ecuador, uh, built uh, built around the Cayambe volcano where the uh, beanstalk or the space elevator was built on the base of that volcano. We've talked about that in a previous show, reading it in Worlds of Android. Yeah. So... uh, but the, the city is is enormous and diverse as New, New Angeles. It, this is a comprehensive a comprehensive guide is impossible. Yeah. However, what they do in this section is they give you just enough to wet your whistle mm-hmm. as a GM and get those creative juices flowing, yes. and then let you fill in the rest, which is perfect. Yeah. So the only other setting I can think of that did that just as well as the original Forgotten Realms material um, where they would just write a little bit of history about an area and then that's it. That's all they gave you. Right. And this sentence here on page 141 first sentence, second column the purpose of this chapter is to enrich, not restrict adventure building. Mm -hmm. I mean, not restrict. That says it all. Right? I mean, if you want to then they give an example. If you want to create a bar that only caters to natural humans and no G mods or whatever. Um, put it in there. If it's not already in one of these, if there's not already one in this, what they've already laid out already, throw it wherever you want. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want it to be a bar that the cops won't be coming to the rescue on, throw it in the base to Kayambi down in the undercity there, man, because nobody's going to come by and help you. <laughs> No police is going to come by. So you could create the concept for the bar and then take, hey, where do I want to put this? And kind of put them together and mash it up. Right. So it's pretty cool. Or if you are so or if you have a, um, well, a hopper racer that you mm-hmm. want the players to visit their apartment for maybe a party or uh, a, to 
uh, maybe a private meeting, mm-hmm. um, you would know that the prob- if you read this section, it's not about – you could put it anywhere in the city. All they're telling you is by reading this section, you know where the best places to put it to, to get that flavor would be. And that would mm-hmm. be, of course, in the Esmeraldas section of the city, um, which these are like – these are all – large sectors of the city these each one of these is almost a city in and of itself they all have a different look a different feel a different atmosphere mm-hmm. some of them are night and day yeah uh, i mean you have like a russian gulag stalingrad city like district right next Rod? to yeah yeah right next to what like a I don't know, a freaking welcome to Miami, you know, port town, <laughs> you know, like travel district, you know, I mean, it's crazy just going just a couple blocks would do right for you. And right. speaking of which, this place is huge, 62,000 square kilometers, it says. Yes, it takes it's big. up most of the whole west coast of uh, Ecuador. <laughs> yep. There's, and, uh, uh, there's 500 million official residents. Now, they also say there's probably just as many uncounted beings that are Android. So, Androids don't count as official residents because they, they don't count as human. Um, so, all your clones and all your bioroids don't count. They're just furniture. Yeah, they're just furniture, baby. That's it. <laughs> People who don't, hold an ID, who don't own an ID, they're too poor to have an ID. Um, and then the off-gridders, the people who don't want to know. So then, yeah. you know, one of the things I noticed early on in the setting is they don't mention skyscrapers anymore. Apparently, we've grown beyond skyscrapers. Now we're calling them star scrapers. I know. <laughs> which gives you this, immediately evokes this vision of these ultra-tall buildings mm-hmm. that are hundreds of stories tall. Yes. And that's exactly what they're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. You have... These buildings have been built on top of other buildings, have been built on top of other buildings over the years. Yeah. They're freaking miles tall. Yeah. And and so this is – and the thing is you have – you and not only do you have different – if you're looking down on the city, right, from like a God's eye view, you have different, you have different um, districts. But now put that so you're looking sideways from the ocean looking at the city. You have the undercity, which is basically at ground level. And then about a hundred ish stories up, you have what's called the fuck. What district is that? Damn it, the plaza level. The plaza level. Yep. Then the plaza level, and then above that, way up, you have the penthouses where all the rich, the ritz, the risties live, and in corporate those offices. corporate offices, like- and they 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 mention a there is a word that they've created called. Oh, I can't even. St- where is it? Um, it's what are you it's about? an RO, It's a arcology. An arcologies, yes. Now, arcologies is uh, it's not an actually a word they created. Arcology is really just a mm-hmm. it's a city block that is contained in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It is now a building, a built-in structure, secured in its own way. It is. You don't ever have to leave. It's its own city, if you will. 
Exactly. Within and, the and city. The way I see it is, looking at it this way, you've got people who won't leave their small little town unless they absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I live with that every day in the Midwest of the United States where I work with people that don't – I live an hour from where I work. I work in a small town. There are people that don't know anything about the town I live in. It's an hour away. Yeah. That's a very small drive in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I commute that every day. and there are people that know nothing about the city I live in (laughs) so that's what your arcology is your arcology is this centralized place where people live work eat sleep and die yeah some of them may not ever leave some may leave rarely in their lifetimes they may consider it a vacation to go to another part of the city yeah Um, (laughs) and that's what an arcology is. It's just a block that is insular. Yeah. So that's another another concept to to think about, which is unique to this setting. That kind of mm-hmm. paints paints that picture here, which I wanted to I wanted to mention there. No, that's great. And uh, so you have these uh, humans of all different walks of life. Now that's one thing that New Angeles is the melting pot yep. because of the the space uh, elevator. The space elevator, everyone is immigrating here from every country mm-hmm. in the world. So you have large populaces that will have a cultural theme. You have Nihongai district, district, which is Neo-Tokyo moved to New, New Angeles. Yeah. It is If you are thinking of Neo-Tokyo from your Ghost in the Shell or thinking of Neo-Tokyo from – any of the hundreds of anime out there that use Neo Tokyo, the Nihongai district is Neo Tokyo relocated. It has that Japanese architecture. It has that uh, cultural influence of Japan, but anyone can live there. Mm-hmm. Then you go, you know, down to Rabatgarad, which is so Russian, it's, you know, it's not even funny. <laughs> I am the machine! <laughs> I love that skit, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, these districts have taken on a cultural identity of because they have so many immigrants from that culture. Yeah. But you could have arcologies that are strictly one culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could, and you can build... Your if you have you know your characters your players walking in as a GM you walk into one of these arcologies and suddenly you know the first thing they see is a mosque and okay you know now okay kind of what you're dealing with and and you see you know all the women are walking around in in burkas and okay this is a very Muslim neighborhood and this whole arcology is built with that 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 feel to it and so. If there's a culture in the world that you want to explore, you don't have to, as a GM, go anywhere else in the world. Just throw it in a block. To New Angeles. Yeah, just throw it on a block, its own block, make it its own block in New Angeles. Look at this. Look at this um, chapter to see if they've already got one that right. you like, right? But if not, pff, throw it anywhere. It's so big, it doesn't matter. Right, and so we get into now on page one forty-two. We get into the second big theme in this setting. There's a you know there's the th- three or four really big themes. There's the you know the human movement, the 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 keeping humans jobs for humans, mm-hmm. and the android um, disposable workforce. 
Mm-hmm. Now you have what makes this a dystopian setting. You have this huge dichotomy between rich and poor. Yep. The rich are ultra rich, the richest they'll ever, ever, ever be. And then the poor are at the bottom dregs of society, and there are billions of them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and the rich, I mean, they would have, I mean, they, they, yeah, they talk about the rich having, they probably have a second home outside of the city, somewhere in the Ecuadorian countryside. They may yeah. even have, they may have an apartment upstock. Up, they commu- up in the beanstalk somewhere where they they commute to work in a self-driving hopper. Yeah, that's a flying car that drives itself. Mm-hmm. They can take a nap on the way to work. God, I wish I was these people. That would be great. <laughs> it's coming, Tony. It's coming, man. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, but these people are called in this setting. They're called Risties, and that's just short for aristocrats. Um, but yeah, these are the people that run the mega corporations, or they're just old money. Yeah. They're just rich for rich richness' sake. Yeah. Um, they, maybe they're real estate moguls that sold all this property all around here, and their families and old, old money from the area. And you can totally build a a campaign about about that dichotomy between rich and poor, yeah. and the people in between, those that want to be rich that are trying to work their way into that society, and yeah. running into the glass ceiling. Right, right, and um, yeah. So that's pretty much. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, you know, one of the one of the more interesting things here is, um, <laughs> the sh- there's this shrinking middle class of people who. They're corporate workers, you know, they may take the train, you know, the tubes to work. They may have their own um, hover, a hopper to take them to work. But the threat and fear of slipping into the undercity is what keeps them driving and driving forward, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Which is, I don't know, it's interesting because it's so easy, I guess, to kind of slip and fall down there. And it's very gritty. In the Undercity. Yeah. And then the Undercity is what is what makes that dystopian future so dangerous. The Undercity is crime. The Undercity yeah. is disease. The Undercity is yeah, there are dangers that are I mean, the the rat swarms. Uh there's dangers down in the Undercity that you don't have to deal with in in the rich life or even in the in the middle right. you know, middle class life. Um, there's the NAPD, you know, the New Angeles PD very, very rarely go down there. No, it's usually self-policed by the gangs. And here's, and here's an interesting thing. So on page 143, one of the last paragraphs on the left side there, it says when the NAPD releases statistics showing New Angeles is New Angeles to be one of the safest cities in the world, it's worth remembering that there's not a whole lot of crimes that get reported down in the undercity, which is your most of your population, right? So, hey, statistics, man, you can you can make them look like any any way you want. It is a perfect right. example of that, right? I mean, <clears throat> exactly. People don't go down there for a reason. Nope. But there is, but there is an interesting. I, I can't remember which section I read that in, but we're talking plaza level, right? Which is. Mm-hmm. 50 to 100, I don't know, depending on what what district you're in. Um, 
But there's that melding of like the undercity might come up. Some people might come up to the plaza level, you know, some of your pickpockets and, you know, your, you know, your street, you know, uh, scum or whatever could come street up. Street gangs. Street gangs, you know, and that could make for interesting adventures and conflicts and encounters, you know? Sure, sure. So yeah, that pretty much covers all the way up to 143. I mean, we didn't read it all, but there's there's all these little nuggets in there, just oh. little things about you know, like Chris read that one paragraph about the NAPD, and you know that that sparks something in your mind as a GM. Mm-hmm. You know, you there's know what I thought of I thought of I thought of a, a, a way to assassinate somebody is to hire some street thug to come up on the plaza level and just knock them off. Because there weren't any railings, man. This is like Star Wars. It looks like there weren't any railings on that freaking bridge undercover. <laughs> yep. There's no railings on plaza level. Yep. What is it with FFG and not putting railings in any of their sci-fi settings? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Right. And then, you know, when it's talking about the poor here, I, I love this section here where it talks about this. It says, uh, most New Angelinos spend more time dreaming about moving up the social ladder than living in fear of falling down it. The majority of citizens have at least tasted the life of Aristi through the media provided by NBN. And what it taught what they're talking about here is the senses. These are no longer your senses. Yes. These are your they don't have TV anymore. Now they have these sim senses. These are programs that you plug into that give you the the feel of being that person. They're wearing a sensey rig, and they're recording their emotions. They're recording their, their their sights, the smells, the sounds, everything that is, and it's all recorded, and then hits you in this sensory overload. So you have the the idea as that gives me this idea of these whole groups of kids that have, you know, oh, have you tried the latest Miranda Rhapsody's uh, uh, sensey? Oh my God. That was so, you know, just kids that lived this life of, mm-hmm. you can see it now with kids wanting to be the celebrities that they worship. Almost kind of reminds me of, almost makes me think of Ready Player One in a way. Yes. You yes, know? very I much. mean, it really does. Yes. And yes. then they do have a sidebar here I want to mention um, on 143 called Life. <laughs> and <laughs> basically it talks about what Tony and I were talking about, like, Androids, bio, you know, bioroids and clones, basically being they're they're considered less than human at this time right now. Even right? by the poor, they're considered mm-hmm. less than human. Human is human. A wristy would rather shake the hands. Some of them are so anti, and maybe you know anti android. They'd rather shake the hands of a homeless poor person than touch an android. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, hey, that's one of the themes that you all can play and pull on in this, in this setting, which is, you know, makes it unique, for sure. Very cool, very cool. All right, so that pretty much covers it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we uh, give you a nice primer for the setting, folks. Yeah, and then the next, I mean, really, the the next section after this, this sample location, Mm -hmm. when you read through that, oh, that basically just goes right into what Tony and I were saying, just its own little neighborhood and um, really painted the picture for me for what this, what this could be. So, right. And we may, we may, we may just talk about that 
next, next show just to kind of segue right into that. So Yeah, cool. And it's got my art from the cover on it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Cocktails and right. games, baby. All right, you ready to go to our favorite style part of the show? Show enough. Everybody, we are back. Advantageous threats. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. You know what? I'll go first because I want I want us to spend a little more time on yours because you had that the um that custom talent you want to talk about. But for Copy. me, my character, PFC James Whitefall, in a Tannhauser setting. Needs to fire his bazooka into a machine gun nest as he is landing on the Sword Beach. On Tuesday, June 6th, 1944. Yes, everybody. That's D-Day in Normandy. He's, um, he's got enemy fire, chaos of battle, everything going around him. The machine gun nest is up a hill behind sandbags about a medium range away. Now, PFC Whitefall has an agility of three and a ranged heavy of one. Um, so to start with, we're going to have a yellow and two green versus medium range away, two purples. So, okay. need to add some dice to this. Oh, yeah. I know we'll be aiming. And he's got, and you know what, I'll, I mean, a boost die for aiming. And I would go, I would go more, I would go so much to say he's got the right tool for the job. Because these things were made to take out um, fortified bunkers, machine gun nests, and tanks. So okay. maybe another boost die? For Most that. assuredly. All right. All right. So this, he's they're behind sandbags. I see that as being Covered. two, two yep. uh, setback dice for yes. that. Yep, that's what I was and thinking then, too. And then I'm also going to throw in a setback die for the uh, the chaos of battle going on all yep. around him. I would be so inclined as to um, say he fell out of the. He had to jump off the side of the LCVP. The landing craft uh, vehicle, personnel vehicle. Um, so I would say an automatic upgrade to a red. Okay. That work because the because the bazookas weren't known as being as quite as reliable as like the Panzerfaust that the uh, Germans had, and they they didn't they malfunction sometimes. So. Gotcha. Yeah, they definitely mm-hmm. be an op- auto upgrade for that. And then, just because of the incoming enemy fire, I will be spending a story point also as gotcha. GM. Yep. Yeah, um, I because can understand a, that. Because a despair may be a stray bullet. Mm-hmm. Or firing the bazooka into the ground right in front of him. <laughs> or getting his buddies or something, you know? I mean, it could be Could bad. be. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna st- spend a story point because <laughs> it's fucking D-Day. Mm-hmm. We're doing this on D-Day, man. Okay, so I have two yellow, a green, two blues, two red, three black. Holy crap. Now, PFC, there is a reason why he's a private first class. He doesn't quite have the knack for it yet. But after Normandy, if he survives, he'll probably get some XP from his uh, GM, I'm hoping. <laughs> Won't and be able to take it. the knack for it. I'm... That's non-combat skills. 
Well, see, there you go. Thanks, Tony. That was I was testing you out on that. <laughs> of course. All right, here we go, people. Oh, and he gets that despair. <laughs> oh crap! This is gonna hurt. Mm. This is gonna hurt. Okay. Okay. So he succeeds with one advantage and a despair. Nice. So I don't know what the effect of a freaking bazooka would be, but it might not explode. No, nope, I think. But it's probably going to do a shit ton of damage to the guys up there, uh, but there is the spare we're talking. So, what do you... Okay, so you have the success. It does a shitload of damage. The bunker blows up. With your advantage, what do you want to do there? With my advantage, um... I'm going to say that maybe it gives his group a moment, you know, because of the explosion. You mm-hmm. know, it, it maybe gives him a, him and his uh, squad a moment to kind of move up onto the beach, okay. further up to the beach. All right. However. Yeah. What uh, the despair is going to come out as is when he hits that uh, machine gun nest, there was several boxes of machine gun ammo in there. Oh, shit. That, and also they were stored next to several diesel cans. That all goes up. And the covering sand, uh, the the covering of the machine gun nest, which was all wooden planks, just launches into the air and comes down right on top of him, pinning him. Oh, so he's pinned on Sword Beach. Oh, fuck. (laughs) That sucks. Well done. And. He is pinned in the track of an upcoming landing craft. Oh, no. So he's only got a turn or two to get out from under this. (laughs) Oh, no. Oops. (laughs) All right, James Whitefall, PFC James Whitefall, you might not be getting that XP. (laughs) But we'll see. All right, man. All right. Cool. All right, so I'm... I'm bringing back an old character from one of my other uh, advantageous threats. I'm bringing back Hibiscus the Green Man <laughs> in, a, in a super setting. He is a uh, plant manipulator. Um, he is looking for an invisible villain called the Dark Minister in an old abandoned warehouse. Now, this is a, such an old abandoned warehouse that there are it's overgrown with weeds everywhere. Okay. So Hibiscus is able to use his talent. Now, I have this... This natural talent, or this um, custom, custom talent yeah. form, uh, we call I called it natural wonder. And uh, what it allows him to do is an environment in which plants are growing. He may, and it's an active, not ranked talent. He may perform the base augment spell on himself when a plant is present as a maneuver, as if he had rolled a single success. Okay. So, and is it tier does, four? It is a tier four talent that he took, and we called it Natural Wonder. Yep. So this allows him to boost his. Basically, he's reaching down into the plants and augmenting his senses for this role. Gotcha. I see. Um, so it's a and, free boost. Yeah. Okay. I like this. This is kind so of it's a, a it's a free cool. augment. It's a maneuver, as if he had done it with one success, allowing him to continue to do his action. And oh. his action is going to be since he's actively searching 
for a hidden opponent. It's actually a perception check. Now, yep. be- because he normally has a uh, five in cunning and one rank in perception, his normal roll would be four green, one yellow. Mm-hmm. However, since he's going to augment it, he still spends the two strain, by the way, but it's a maneuver gotcha. uh, with that augment as a base as a, with a single success. Um, so he's at five green dice, one yellow. Now, I wouldn't, and I want to mention that this is uh, cunning is a soup is his super uh, attribute using the supers section in the back of the core rulebook. What that allows him to do is any triumphs he rolls with that, he may add in another yellow die if he rolls a triumph. Gotcha. Roll in another die. Nice. Likewise, it's an opposed check against the villain's stealth, which the guy's called the Dark Minister for a reason. Stealth Mm -hmm. and invisibility is his thing. So he has a five-die pool, four of which are red. Nice. Now, he has super agility. Now does With this mean agility. so does Which this mean you're rolling the red now if I roll a despair you roll another red in right I'll roll another red in nice yes. okay I'm All right. this so right now I'm looking at a huge pool here with one two three four five green one yellow and one two three four red one purple that's just from their stats now is it dark of course it's dark how many setback dice is that two. Two. For darkness, is two. All right. And he's invisible. That's the four red, right? That is his stealth. That's just from his stealth. Well, he's in. Well, he's invisible, though. Right. But I'm using plant senses to try and find him. Yeah, but does invisibility give him anything? Or is that just... He's just a it's stealth built check. built into his stealth. And you're calling yeah. it an... Invi- okay, got it. Okay, okay. Right. So... Um, is the is the under any time? <coughs> is he hastily looking, or is he taking his time? Oh, he's taking his time. He's okay. reaching out for the so plants, trying to find so the I, guy. Yep. So I wouldn't I wouldn't add any setback die for that, or make it any harder because of that. Yeah. All right. Well, I as a player am going to spend a story point to upgrade for hopes of getting us one of those triumphs. Four red and a purple. Yeah, that's a lot of red. Go ahead. I'll wait. <laughs> All right. I could make it a five red. <laughs> hey, you know what? Make it eight red. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. So immediately I rolled a triumph. So before I even adjudicate this roll, I'm going to go ahead and roll in. You roll in one yellow. Hold on. I'm okay. going to roll in one more yellow die. Roll in a yellow one. Okay. And I did roll a despair. So I'm going to immediately roll in another red die. Woo. Boom. All right, so what I've got, well, thankfully that other red die came up blank. So <laughs> not another despair. <laughs> not another despair. Now, no. would you, now, if you rolled another despair, would you keep on rolling? It changed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, baby. So, <laughs> looking at canceling the threat and advantage here, getting rid of the blanks. Uh, so, oop, those are two more threat. Okay, so I have two uncanceled threat. Uh, those were blanks. It's failure. There we go. All right. So I have one, two, three, four, five successes, two threat, a triumph, and a despair. Well, you find so him. I, I find him. 
with my triumph, I want to have found the base of a large tree, maybe a fallen tree, but that's still a, like not a dead tree, but it's there. It's this huge tree that I could maybe summon later as an ally. Okay. Uh, so my triumph is there's this there's this tree. Maybe it's a tree that's hidden. It's growing up between some of the walls. Okay. So when I reached out for the plants, I sensed this sense tree, it. and this tree okay. kind of helped me Find point it. out to where he is because with its roots, it sensed his movement. So that's my okay. triumph. I have now maybe an upgrade on my check to summon that tree to help me fight him. I'm thinking so because you because you've tapped into the magic here. Um, maybe your um, I'm thinking maybe maybe it just your your augment just goes down, just gets shut down for some reason. Maybe the villain has something up. You know what I mean? That's the is that the two threat? I'm, no, I'm thinking that might be that. And I'm thinking, oh, you have two threat or two two two, two threat and a despair. Two threat and a despair. No, I was thinking the despair would be that that it's okay. kind of that you're so that my you've lost your augment goes down. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, there goes my once once per encounter ability. Now, if I want to re-augment, I have to do it as a as an actual action. Well, I'm thinking, well, I'm, I can't remember if the spares, how badass can I make the spares? You could even cut me off from being able to augment at all period. For See, that's what, I, that's what I was kind of thinking that you wouldn't be able to augment anymore. Okay. Because yeah, you could go as far, dark, so far with single triumph or single despair to cut me off from magic for the rest of the encounter. Yeah. It might be that much. But of a since in a supers, but since in a super supers. setting, yeah. I don't know if that 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 because it takes away the. <clears throat> no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking your. I'm thinking your ability to augment. Okay. Is locked. Is locked down, because the villain has some sort of device that he's activated. That's negating it. That's kind of negating it in some way. It's you know, confusing. kind of. How, I know it's. He's got some high pitched frequency emitter that doesn't actually. I can't hear it, but it. But disrupts the, trees the plants. Do. The plants do. Yeah. So oh, and you know what? Take with- so I'm thinking, take it for that threat. Take a couple of strain for just t- having a little bit of a backlash on that. Like the plants are kind of backlashing. I'm on you feeling it through their senses. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. nice. Very nice. Cool. All right. So that's how you would use an a custom talent uh, in a super setting. Um, I like and- that talent, dude. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. No, I I kind of. He's an advanced character. I mean, it's a tier four. So, I mean, we're talking, what did I calculate? Almost 100 experience points you would need. I honestly think in a super setting, unless you're doing street level supers, if you're doing like your golden age or your uh, silver, you know, silver four color comics, you're going to start at night level play anyway. So night level would be what? 150? 150 earned XP. Earned XP. Right. And or uh, 9,000. Uh, nine or ten thousand in gear, whatever it is. Yeah, if you're a gear centric character, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, yeah. So that's 150 earned XP, which means create your character using starting XP, get them all done, get your extra XP, however that is. Create, bump up your characteristics, then add 150 more to give you a four color superhero. Damn, Skippy. Yeah, man. Cool, dude. I like that. That's fun. All right. All right. 
You ready to go? You want to go home? I'm ready to go home. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Folks, that is our show for tonight. Um, this is a good one, man. I had yeah, fun. Yeah, that was pretty fun, man. That was pretty fun. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a shout out to all the shows we have on our network. The Wild Eye, the Brewery, or is it the Brewery Show? Or is it the the Brew? Whatever the show Brewery? No, it's the Brewery. Or is it the Brewery Show? What is <laughs> which is it, Jamie? Anyway, the Murder Hobo Show, the Three T RPG Podcast, the Tabletop Twats. Imaginary Ramblings podcast, Mr. Means Speaks, Thoughts of a Barbarian blog, um, the Role Players Imaginarium, which is R-O-L-E. Yep, and, and that's a last, blog. That's a blog, too. And, of course, last but not least, certainly not least, um, Stefan Dragon Spawns The Dragon's Toolbox. Um, so those are great shows we have on a network here and, um, and blogs. So go check them out. Yep. The uh, I'll go back over them just a little bit. The the Wild Eye podcast they cover Savage Worlds and all things about it. Yep. Uh, the Brewery Show he's kind of done a rebranding, uh, going back to an old fa- format, and it used to be called the RPG Brewery, but now he's just going to be mm-hmm. the Brewery because he wants to just talk about whatever comes to mind. Uh, we were on uh, talking on his show with him last night. Chris and I were uh, via uh, the chat. We were chatting. Yeah. Uh, he- he does a live Twitch show. Uh, is, he just announces in advance when he's going to have one, and I don't think he even has a schedule for it right now. Uh, but he's just going to talk about whatever comes to mind. For instance, I think his next episode, he said, was about Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yep. Uh, uh, Murder Hobo Show. Uh, that's our friend Gary McCallum. He does uh, Savage Rifts. He does um, ICRPG. He does his little uh, crafting videos that he does on YouTube. He's kind of all over the place himself. Um, the three T RPG podcast, formerly known as the tabletop twats. Uh, the reason why they went to the three T is just so that, uh, Facebook would quit, uh, banning them. Um, Oh, for, twats? <laughs> for the word twats. Yes. Oh um, at least that's what they said on their show. Uh, wow. but, uh, it's probably, you know, they do cover everything and all things about RPGs. They do a lot of fun stuff on their show. Imaginary ramblings. It's a very short podcast, uh, by, um, our good friend, Matt, uh, Jones, uh, and it's a uh, kind of a West Virginia, uh, West Virginia, Virginia. I can't remember pop culture. Co- uh, West Virginia, podcast. West Virginia, West Virginia. And, and he covers, you know, uh, fiction, role playing games, video games, whatever he feels like talking about. Yep. Uh, Mister Mean speaks is uh, uh, John Pollock. He does uh, YouTube reviews of various role playing games. Um, Thoughts of a Barbarian, Role Players Imaginarium, and the Dragon's Toolbox are all blogs. And they're all about all things RPG as they come to mind for those guys. So, Yippers. So go check them out and the Nerds International community. They're on MeWe, just like we are, mm-hmm. each and every one of them. Uh, you can contact Chris and I. Email us at findingthenarrativepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can... Yeah, you can send your family and friends over to listen to us over on uh, iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, and Google Play. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can get a hold of me on Facebook, and I will get that passed on to Chris. We are on Google Plus, however, it's I done this month, isn't it? It is done later this month, and I got it. I had everything for our Google Plus on my cell phone, and I went and got a new cell phone yesterday. So don't don't contact us over there because I'm not loading Google Plus for less than a month. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't blame me there, dude. <laughs> yeah, just find us on Mayway. Send us an invite. 
um, a request for an invite, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll invite you. Make sure you're you're not a bot, one of those sex bots or whatever. Spamming yeah. sex bots that are over there—that's a big problem over there. A couple yeah, of the other groups, I'm. A couple of the other groups, I, I'm in. I'm like, all right, and I send an email. I send a little message to the organizers, going, dudes, you need to just, you need to look at who you're inviting into this. Yeah, yeah. Peruse that profile. Bef- yes, and if you try to get a hold of us, folks, mm-hmm. and you're looking to join, make sure you have a little bit of about who you are on your profile because yeah. if your profile is blank and you have a weird non un <laughs> just uh unidentifiable name um i probably might have said no to a couple of listeners just based on that fact because they hadn't filled yeah. out any file information no picture no mm. didn't say anything about you it's right it's just to keep the bots off our backs so yep so absolutely. yeah absolutely all right. Well, that's it for our show. Thanks for being here, folks. This is Tony saying keep rolling them bones. And this is Chris saying remember the rule of cool and just have fun, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned in this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved.